Hello, Cycle Cross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 288 of Cycle Cross Radio. On this episode, Zach and I are joined by Elizabeth to talk about the cursed period. I'm getting this out a little later than I expected. We recorded this on Tuesday, and it's now Friday, so even more races have happened. But but we knew that's what was going to be the, the case when we got into this, and, and, and we had a lot to cover. Uh, we kind of jumped all over the place. It's a bit of a chaotic episode, but I think the conversation is a good one, and you will enjoy listening to it. Speaking of enjoying listening to things... Go check out all of the other podcasts we have available on the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. I know I tell you all the time, but I'm going to tell you again. Nowhere Fast, that's Zach's other show where he talks about Zwift Racing and all of the other uh, platforms out there. It's a great show with Mike and Kevin. Uh, we also have Criterium Nation. Rob has a ton of stuff that he's covering before the season gets started here soon. Slow Ride Podcast. Those guys just going steady, doing what they do. It's always a blast to listen, so go over there and check that out. And then finally, Grodio. Amanda and I have been uh, chatting with a lot of the big names on the gravel scene. It's there. There's so much news happening in the gravel space and uh we've been covering it all and it's it's been great and we got more episodes coming up soon so go head over to wideanglepodium.com if you like what you're hearing you can become a member just uh, join the subscribe or donate button and uh support the shows and make it possible for us to continue bringing you the best independent cycling media out there all right We've got Elizabeth and Zach. We're talking about the cursed period. It's episode 288 of Cyclocross Radio, and we're doing all of it right now. We're back in the media pit. Okay, so last week, Zach was out. Zach was on the... uh, Injury reserve list. He is back with us, but now Michael Bodie is taking a, a well-earned vacation, so he's uh, he's on the beach at some undisclosed location. So we had to go. We had to go for our first. I I, I don't want to say bench player. She's like a starter. She's like in the, you know the mountain bike uh, the media pit. Elizabeth's back with us for a for a cyclocross edition, and even even coming in a little you know under the weather, but still uh, making it out for this one. So uh, great to have you here, Elizabeth. Great to be here, guys. Great to be back in the media pit with y'all. Excellent, Zach. How you doing? How's it going? Uh, I mean, I'm much better. I mean, you're saying on the injured list. I was literally on the injured list. I was doing my best to channel my inner Matthew Vanderpoel and Lauren Sweck. And uh, I was in bed for two days with a crippling back injury, which was terrible. Um, I limped out for the family Christmas dinner and then went back to lay down. So it was was truly horrible. It kind of ruined the beginning of curse period for me. But fortunately, when I felt like a human again uh, was the day of DHEM. So that actually worked out okay <laughs> perfect timing perfect timing and and a beautiful segue so should we just get right in that's the thing you know we were talking about before we started recording that this this is 
an amazing time of year. I think this is one of the best cursed periods in so many years. Uh, just every every race has something to talk about. But then just you know, and it's yeah, we can't really complain about a a overabundance of riches, but it's like so much to talk about. So, you know, we're not going to do any blow by blows really for races here. We're just going to kind of try to go through these and, uh, remember the best parts and anything that stuck out. And I think that there are certainly some stories for riders who, uh, are coming out of the strong other riders who are maybe fading. And, um, then, uh, Sonny Kant, who I guess just needs to be at home to race. She said that she took a big break and she said she really needed a break and was got some rest and was happy to come back and race at home. So, you know, we all need a break sometimes. Exactly. The story. For that one, not to skip too far ahead, but yeah, she got fifth place at uh, Arenthal's today. But Zach, I guess we're, we're starting with Diham and the night race. Uh, one for the books. So I know... In previous times, I missed one earlier. You always give me a hard time for not listening, um, but I actually listened. I listened to a good chunk of of the last show, and I, you know, it, w- it was interesting just being on the outside and hearing you guys without me there. And you know, you guys were amazing. Uh, were you, were you yelling? Were you yelling at us for stuff we got wrong? Were you being a good a good podcast listener? No, you guys were like so good. <laughs> um, but but I do think. Um, I mean, I think it was interesting that you guys definitely put your put a line in the sand and made some points that maybe we can we can revisit here. But before we get to this, Bill, you made the excellent point. You were like, you know, with Machu and Wow, like literally the last time we saw this is when they were kids. We had been waiting for this, right? I remember just the beautiful duels, right? We're like, when is it going to happen? We want this to happen. And so I guess I have two points about this. Um, I was thinking about like hyped athletes, right? We were always like. You know, Wout Mature, two athletes were like, oh, man, like these guys are going to be amazing. And they were. They lived up to the hype. So I was thinking about and athletes that have been hyped. And the ones from America that I came up with were like, obviously, LeBron James, right? Probably the most hyped athlete of our lifetimes. And then the other one I was thinking about was, do you guys remember Freddie Adu, the guy who was going to change American soccer, did not live up to the hype. So I, these guys are like the LeBron James of cyclists, and we're finally getting to see it come to fruition. Can I, can I throw one more out there that I think, you know, t- of course, there's some baggage that goes ar- along with this that I don't line think necessarily lines up, but Tiger Woods was like on Johnny Carson when he was, what, like two years old. No, you're right. That is the third. I That's great. Great point. And he lived up to the hype. Um, but these guys lived up to the hype, and I think we're finally getting to see – I mean, it's amazing. It was mind blowing. This is this curse period was mind blowing. It's so good. It's just so good. I mean, like it was to the point where I was like, did did they talk and were like, hey, you know what would be cool is like let's play it up for the crowds. Like we're getting some good start money. Like we're making most of our salary in the next couple weeks. Like let's ham it up. Like old times' sake. Just you know, maybe until the last lap, and then we'll just you know, then all bets are off. They're not doing that, but. It feels like it. <laughs> but maybe, I mean, one thing is that it seems like, as as Zach just mentioned, they, they are older now. They have sort of done everything that a, a normal cyclist could ever dream to achieve in the sport. And they still have some goals in, in other disciplines. But they come back to cyclocross and it... The pressure, there's no pressure on either of these guys to do to do anything. So I think some of that's there. I think they are sort of just more carefree in their racing. 
Uh, but that's that's a good segue to my other question. I mean, I think we saw in past years, you know, like uh, just look at Lowenhout. Vanderpool just goes ballistic in the first lap and Wout stays with him like he doesn't ride away. Maybe in the past, like he just rides away and Wout's, you know, in a hole. He does this thing where he drools all over himself and just can't get back in it or whatever. So what percent is it that Vanderpool has lost some of his fastball? And what percent is that Wout has improved? I love this. I love this question because I was thinking about something very similar. I think Val has improved on a measure of about 65% to 70%. And I think that it's Vanderpool dropping on a measure of about 30-35. I think that's I think that's pretty fair. I mean, but I, I think the thing with uh I don't I don't think and, and and this is where I kind of bring back that Tiger Woods analogy. I don't think Vanderpool is healthy, like 100% healthy, and I'm not sure, much like Tiger, he ever will be. I hope that's not true, but I I just I think that you know he had he had back issues before Tokyo and Tokyo. I just I just feel like that that was so much more of a serious injury than than anybody wants to admit. And I think that that still, still hampers him some. But I also think that, wow, this is where, you know, we always talk about road racers should race cyclocross. It'll help their road racing. I think that the specific training that Wout has done in the last couple seasons for road, you know, all the time trial stuff, all of just the preparing for the tour, just the, 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 the really just dialed in training that he's done for the road has made him so much stronger of a, of a cross racer. When he gets back, he's just, you know, yeah, he's able, he's able to to hang on to those attacks. And then when it's not Matthew, he's just stronger than anybody else. Yeah. I think that you've seen where he's mirroring these attacks, like Vanderpool is trying to put in big digs, you know, big explosive efforts. And wow, maybe it's not right there. And I, I think one thing that I like about him is he, he leaves a little space. Like, you know, you're never, even if there's like a couple seconds, you're like, oh, Wout's just doing his thing and he knows where he's like, if there's a flatter power section, he would close that gap. He did that several times. Uh, but I like it that he leaves that little bit of space and he doesn't need to be kind of right on the wheel and he's able to make it a little bit more elastic. But, you know, I think, Elizabeth, you were agreeing that he's able to like make those explosive moves much better than he was in the past, especially when they come earlier in the race. Yeah. And I think it's like his power and his handling match in a way that like, when you see him put down power, it's a lot more than it used to be, um, which is not saying that it wasn't already a whole lot. It's just more and more refined. But I feel like watching Val handle a bike now is he's a lot better than he used to be, which is the kind of thing that we always worry about when somebody goes and focuses on the road that they'll lose that. And I think... I don't I, I don't see that. I think he's a better bike handler than he used to be, which is great. Like, it's awesome to see him grow as a cyclist all around and be able to apply that on, you know, what now is kind of like his fun season instead of his main focus. Like He's just really damn good. Like, I really think he's upped his game a lot. And I, I Bill, like totally agree. Like, I don't think Vanderpool is... Uh, you know, I think he is more injured than we know or than he lets on. And yet, because he came in so high prior to that, like even him falling a bit still means he's 
absolutely phenomenal. Um, so, you know, he's he's beatable or it's more attainable um, in a way that it wasn't before. But uh, if he has a good day, he's still very, very, very good. <laughs> So this is like we're jump. I'm jumping all over the place with the races, but you know, fast forward to Herentals. He said, you know, an uh, analogy here, but he was like, oh, I was like, maybe I shouldn't go out so hard and save some for the end of the race, and you know, who knows what would have happened. I think Wout would have been in a tough place to try to follow that move, especially because there were some technical bits, and I think Vanderpool was just a little bit smoother and quicker to the technical sections. But you know, uh, Michael Jordan, when he started, he was very athletic. We just go dunk over guys, and it's like oh, everyone's like, "Oh, you're just an athletic guy. You go dunk over people, whatever." And he's like, "Well, eventually I'm gonna get old, so maybe I should learn how to shoot." And if you watch Jordan in the you know towards the end of his career, like he was a jump shooter, like he would back guys down, he would do the thing where he palms the ball with one hand, and he would just. He would take 18-foot turnaround jump shots. You know, he had the athleticism when he needed it. So I wonder if maybe Vanderpool is starting to explore his, you know, inner Michael Jordan and if we'll see him where he doesn't, you know, he can stick with Wout. Wout tried to drop him like 18 times today and he couldn't do it. So maybe he'll develop this where he's like, oh, I'm still pretty explosive and I only need to do that for approximately four minutes in the race. Uh, so I wonder, and maybe it's a little bit scary that he's learning about himself and it'll be interesting to see what he takes out of today and, you know, becomes Michael Jordan. I don't he's know. In his, he's in his mid-range, mid-range fadeaway era. It's good. He hasn't like gone us. for his baseball era yet, so I can't oh. wait. <laughs> no, don't I can't wait. <laughs> no, no. Oh, man. <laughs> he hasn't gone for his Wizards uh, era yet. <laughs> I'm all for uh, him so- starring in an animated movie, though. <laughs> that would be amazing. A Fortnite movie. Um, Can we make? Oh man, I would go for like what? What about a Vanderpool Wout buddy comedy? Oh yeah, yeah. They could. I. I still. I still think that they could um, replace the two guys on uh, Letterkenny and be the hockey guys. Yes. Hundred um, <laughs> percent. So it, we we've gotten this far, and I, I think we have to do this now. You know, we're staying on the men's side just for a little longer here, but I think we have to do this. Now, because it's kind of like on the last episode, Bodie and I were kind of talking about the big the the if the big three was a fallacy, if that was a a fiction, and um, I I don't think I posted it quick enough for it to actually be bulletin board material, as if Tom Pitcock was actually listening to our podcast. He's not, uh, but but. The kid came back. I mean, he he kind of showed up after that. Maybe maybe it was conditions. You know, that's kind of what we were talking about. It wasn't the same. You know, heavy sand, heavy mud. It was it was kind of like between like Dehem and then also Lowenout. It was like courses that he he could compete on. But it kind of kind of showed that he was he was of their of their match. I think in those. I was gonna say that was my other point from listening to the show, but. I mean, Lone Hout was a, there were literal mud bogs. I mean, I, I thought he showed a lot. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what the British saying is for drop the ball. I'm sure they have some sort of cheeky saying. Do you know one, Elizabeth? You're always in, up on these. I, I'm, I'm going to take Dutch a have one? Do the on Dutch that. have one? Uh, well, the Dutch according have. To, according to Jose, the Dutch have a, have a saying for everything, but she can't translate any of them to English. It's the greatest. It's just the greatest cover. That, and, and that I love. She'll, she won't actually say them in Dutch, but she's like, oh, we have a saying for that in Dutch, but it doesn't translate to English. So well, because I, I, most of them are nonsense. Like, 
I mean, one of my favorite ones is if you're dropped, I think I said this on one of the mountain bike podcasts, if you're like dropped and you're in that no man's land between groups, they call that being in rag of ham land. Right. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what a rag of ham would be. It's not a slice. It's a rag. Like, so nonsense. The Dutch are fond of uh, nonsense. Well, I, I was going to say, like, yeah, clearly Pickock dropped the ball at Zolder. I mean, uh, just train wreck of a disaster. And I, his resilience was impressive. I mean, you know, at Deham, he, he got he kept getting dropped and he just hung in there. And I mean, at the end of the day at Deham, he was the guy. It was him. And he made this incredible pass, like just this perfect cycle cross move. And, you know, if he had a little bit more oomph, you know, Wout is, is just so good at like remounting his like the little skills again the coach's son right like this little skill of just getting back on your bike quicker won the race for him um but yeah i mean like i thought he responded brilliantly he was great no i think he was racing really well and i i think too you know i was thinking that pass or couple passes at dkim and also at learn how like he was doing the thing that watching pidcock start in the back of the mountain bike grid and have to make his way up through like you know, 90 some riders to the front of the race, he's small and can take the inside of a turn. Uh, and, you know, I think I likened it to roller derby at one point during mountain bike season, but it's the same thing. Like he's diving a corner that nobody else sees a hole in and making it happen. And it, it's, I mean, you know, yeah, he's like the big 2.75 or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the, I mean, that one corner, he like outlouded Wout, though, right? Like he went way right. He braked early and then kind of like did it where Wout just kind of spun around. And there was like it was one of the, wasn't one of those corners where Wout really could have protected his his line, really, because it was a wide open turn. It's just that Pitcock played it perfectly. And I mean, you see stuff from that. And you're like, this kid is a prodigy at like, you know, at riding his bike and. Like you said, at mountain bike races, he gets a lot of practice. But yeah, I thought he responded super well. And, you know, at Lowenhout, they were joking where, you know, Jose and Jens are like, oh, he's out of it now. And by the end of the race, they're like, yeah, we're not going to count him out. Yeah. Like <laughs> uh, At this point, he's probably going to come back. And like even in that last lap, like, you know, he was he had dropped off a little bit. Um, but yeah, Bill, to your point, it was funny that you guys were, you know, you're talking about the different conditions and the what cyclocross skills. And he was literally like, yeah, I kind of struggle in the mud after low enough. He's like, I'm not as big as these other guys. Yeah. But, but you're, you're right too. In that race, he, uh, he, he, he did a good job, um, legitimatizing the, uh, anything can happen zone. It was, he was right in there. He's the chumba wumba of cyclocross racing. He gets knocked down, but he gets back up again. Is he also is he also a British anarchist? It's possible. <laughs> okay, all right. I mean, if, I just, if we're going to use that now, I just I'm kind of curious. But just but even to put a put a pin on 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 the uh, the Tom Pitcock cyclocross experience, uh, I <laughs> after Ball when they were again asking him if he was going to race in the World Championships after just having the the worst luck and just like not a race he wants to remember. I think he was like really. Uh, pretty certain they was like nope not happening not too sad about it yeah well uh, but like so that's 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 a question though i mean i i think that like it's a bummer that the world he's the world champ and he's not racing and i mean so one 
you know, I uh, there's I don't know, there's like this this thing on Twitter where you could be like, remind me of this in a year, you know. And he said he's focusing on the classics, and so I will be kind of disappointed if he gets lit up by Wout and Machu, who are racing worlds, and he gets lit up in the classics. Yeah, I think we should hold that against him. So I mean, I don't. It just, but to me, it's like some of that where like he clearly knows he's not going to win, and so does is that factoring into him not racing? that right or he thinks he's not going to win and i think that's a point that i'd made a couple shows ago where it's like he gets in his head it's like we saw this progress and then he does this dumb thing and he's like yeah i'm not doing i'm not doing world so i was kind of like bummed excited and bummed all in the course of one week so what did he do so this season so he actually raced quite a bit so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So thir- 13 races. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's I a guess pretty he solid did do a season lot. for right. someone who's not focusing on cyclocross. Yeah, I mean his. Yeah, I mean in all all DC he got a what seventh place at Merck's Place and then an eighth place in Antwerp. But other than that, I mean, all, you know, his worst was fourth place. Other than that, I thought it was going to be a lot less because I was going to make the point between him and Mariana Voss if this was like the least amount of times that we've seen the world championship stripes across the board. But, um, I mean, Mariana definitely not racing a ton. But, uh, yeah, I'm actually like clicking on that. I'm actually surprised that he raced that many races. Is she racing worlds? Do we know? I mean, I know. I think she's racing Zonhoven. I, I have to. I have to. Yeah. Add. There's no. There's no. There's really no good reason for her not to. I mean, you know, right? I mean, she she went to Fayetteville to race worlds. Why Why wouldn't she stay in the Netherlands to race worlds? Well, because that was a course that was well suited to her, and that she had a very good chance at winning her record setting <laughs> eighth world championship, and she did. Also, there were three certain riders who were in the U twenty three field. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you're right. It's like, are you are. But again, when we weren't really, were we looking at Mariana Voss as a favorite last year? If we look back on it, top three. She may have been the more in the. I guess she was more in the conversation than she is this year, right? I mean, she hasn't really been lighting it up at all. I guess I was just going to make the point. It would be super disappointing if both world championships champions didn't race cyclocross. I think it's one of the things we struggle with. It's like legitimizing the sport. And I don't know. I think if you're world champ, like you should have to, you should, def- it's just like you should, you should, even if you don't want to, you should, but you know, Pickcock has other plans and other KOMs in Spain to get uh, and stuff like that. And um, uh, hopefully he does well in the classics. And if he doesn't, I will sure. I will be making snarky comments about it. She is racing worlds and Dutch nationals. And she raced, she so far has raced six times this year. So you guys follow, I mean, you guys follow sports, uh, cycling, whatever. Um, And I was just like, why has this curse period been so good? And I mean, I think like even people like Adam Meyerson are like, yeah, this may be like the best curse period I remember. And, you know, I mean, if people like him are like, this is amazing, you know, like two if there was a cycling hall of fame these guys would both be right now first ballot hall of famers like can you think of any i'm trying to think of like other sports um you know series where there's just this level of competition the best i could come up with i think it was like in 83 or 84 the celtics against the lakers went seven games and there were literally like 10 hall of famers on those two teams uh i mean i think what we we just witnessed is a historic 
week of racing. I mean, I, I hope everyone is appreciated. If you look at the comments, everyone's like, holy shit, like this has been incredible. But I hope everyone just appreciates that we're watching two of the best people to ever play the sport delivering these incredible races. And I, I just, man, just to soak it in and like, I mean, I'll go back and watch DM and Lone how like two years from now, those are races that five years from now, you'd be like, remember those? I mean, unless they one up it next year, you know, it's like historic. This has been amazing. Well, cause they're all competitive too. Even if it doesn't come down to a sprint finish, it's not, you're not watching three laps of somebody just out front riding away yeah so well that's my point it's like uh, it's a seven game series this curse period was a seven game series of cyclocross <laughs> yeah and i think so on the flip on the women's side we haven't had all the big names head to head on the same day for the most part like a few times but we've had a like today's the sheeran show today's the femme show Today's the puck show. I have a proposal along those lines. My pro- I'm glad you brought this up. My proposal, we talk about this in American Cross, right? When we had like 16 races every weekend, we're like, you should coordinate your schedules because for the betterment of the sport. And I I think at this point, I think Shireen and I think Femme Van Empel and I think Puck Peterson should coordinate their schedules, at least two out of the three. Like just should be a requirement. Like if you're going to race a series race, two out of the three. Yeah, I guess you know the the one disappointing. I mean, I don't know how disappointing she's back now, but Femme was was injured, came back, and is is now racing again. I still, you know, and and doesn't look like she missed a beat, which um is just uh, bolstering my my argument that Yumbo Visma was like. Ah, uh, we don't think you're healthy enough to to race right now. We want you healthy when you come over to our team. So just take these other races back, and then when you transfer over, you can start up again. Yeah, I think that was a pretty darn good signing from Jumbo Visma. Uh, pretty, yeah. So I mean, I'm I honestly like glad to see that she had some rest, didn't miss a beat. Appears to not have had serious, lasting concussion symptoms. That's great because she looked quite excellent uh at ball so um very nice to have her back and now like how many times have we if ever have we seen this where on the men's and the women's it's like two huge world tour teams going up against each other you know you got alpacin and uh and yumbo visma between puck and uh um femme and then wout and machu right well and on the women's side i mean Trek argued like Lucinda and Sheeran are both on Trek Segafredo. So they're also on a major women's world tour team, which is pretty cool. So this, uh, I, I was talking to someone is like, um, and you're talking about wow. And Michu, and we're even talking about the rest of the men's field. And I think, I think, I, I guess this was hit home to me. Just seeing like the crowd at ball was, you know, the women's crowd at a, I mean, there were spots of the races that felt like the pandemic year race, you know, and then I was kind of surprised that like people showed up for the men's race. And I think part of the the challenge with these three is they're so young. And I think in sport, you build you, you build a relationship with people and, and you get cheering interest. And so you on the men's side, you know, we've been waiting for Wout Michu to do this thing. You know, Pitcock plays a nice foil because, yeah, he's kind of the new guy, but we still know him. The guy's been around for six, seven years on the men's side, you know. Like Mikey V, uh, Ailey, 
Lars, uh, Sweck. Like we, like we all have a narrative surrounding these, and I think part of the challenge right now for the women is they are so young. Like you know, back in the day when it was the really coming out for women's cyclocross, like Evie was the young, but she was the new kid. So, and she was Evie, like, you know, she was super fun. And so I think like, it just seems like that's part of the challenge too, that the women's field is facing is that we have these three young riders and it's like, we need to build relationships with them and build favorites and narratives and stuff like that. And I don't know, that was just kind of like part of my takeaway from, from this in part, cause the races, there was a lot of time to think about it cause they're so good. <laughs> the, I mean, the other obstacle that they have is that they're all dutch and not belgian which makes it less compelling for a belgian crowd to come out there they're all they're all waiting for floor moors to uh you know get out of the junior field and and take over women's cyclocross i think there's a lot of a lot on her shoulders to be to be the next uh sane kant uh you know i don't know i don't know if that'll ever happen but you know i think that's 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 another one of the problems that we have is that there aren't that many uh belgian belgian women stars and still i just you know i i know uh, this is like i'm just being dumb but i just it just it just it always fascinates me how much that crowd does not like vanderpool a guy who was born in belgium (laughs) Lives lived in Belgium. in Belgium his whole life, <laughs> yet you know. Heaven forbid, Dutch... there's a different colored flag next to his name. <laughs> as a Dutch nationality, and all of a sudden it's like, nope. <laughs> but I guess, I guess that's not for me to understand. Well, and it's like, I mean, it's kind of hard on him too, because most races are then away games, right? There's very few Dutch ones. Yeah. I know one of the commentators was saying, "Oh, why are you booing Machu?" And I was like, "You should come to American sports, where when you're on the road, you get." booed and elizabeth's in philly you might get stuff thrown at you i don't know by uh but yeah it's kind of kind of tough on him that he's kind of uh on the road but i mean i think you saw like you know part of what made those races those races was just the crowd being into it i mean in the last slam at dham people are literally shaking the barriers like it was a zoo. I mean, there was the one narrow part. I mean, albeit because it's totally not three meters wide, where it looked like the Tour de France. Like they're going through, and you know, like might as well have like Devil Guy running around side alongside Wout Van Art there. Um, but like, yeah, it was really cool. You know, and Lowenhout is obviously uh, Lowenhout, which just you know, you saw where people went bonkers when Wout won. I don't, I don't know. You you definitely see it, and they they definitely came out for these races. So Zach, you you wrote an article about Vanderpool. The, was it baffling? Am I using the right word? I think I used the word baffling. Yes, yeah. and just about which I think was great. And it sort of you know once that came out, it it kind of proved your point because he'd be amazing one day and then just like nowhere to be seen the next day and just struggling and looked like a completely different rider. Uh, I. I, I think that you could do a a part two, uh, and just have his teammate on the headline of that in Alvarado. Like, that's that's my that's my mystery of the season. Celine Del Carmen Alvarado, who looks like she's just ready to break through and compete for the best cyclocross racer, another world championship you know, possibility for her and then just 
nowhere in contention the next race. Front wheel stuck in the mud, like like it just got glued there. Yeah. It was painful. I had I had strong strong Katie Compton at uh, Dendermonda in twenty 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 vibes. Yes. Oh god. Yes. That was bad. The second lap oh, were just like sucked in. So painful. Of course, I say this, and and, and this is just because I think the, the expectations that we have, because she was looking like she was sort of going to have another great year, and she is. I, I say this with her worst result, like in the last ten races, being a seventh place at Bohm. Other than that, it's like a lot of thirds, a lot of fourths. You know, she won Zolder earlier than that. She won Merck's laps. Uh, a lot of. Um, you know, second at Val de Sol. But I think what we've been saying the whole time is it's like when the varsity team shows up, then she's not able to compete with all the kids. When the varsity team shows up, she's not able to compete with the JV kids. Does that make sense? Yes. I, as I, I think I pointed out, the, the, the JV team in this case features three world former elite world champions. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, built to your point, like at Dehem, I mean, she's getting off to good starts. So like she's starting well, like on the long, like through the streets, the, like Puck Peterson, who we don't consider the strongest at all of the three young guns, literally rode her off her wheel. Like you, you rarely see in cyclocross where someone on a section, usually it's coming out of a corner, like she just dropped her and it's, yeah, you know, and she then was struggling. You know, I think part of it too, though, is like Lucinda Brand, I think is really coming into form, which you definitely called on the last show is that, you know, she's starting to to get her her stuff together. But yeah, Herentals, like she started strong and was in a strong second and faded. So I, maybe she needs the, the Sonic Hot, maybe a little break to come into World Hot would probably, seems like it would do her well. Because, I mean, she's been at it since October, you know, she started the season and has just been going through it. So... And I, I think that's a, a good point. Like, I think I think Puck has taken a very conservative or strategic approach to how much she's racing. So when she's there, she's on. Like, she's not having... It doesn't look to me like Puck is doing, uh, like, oh, this is my C race. Like, she's... Like, every race is a banger. Every race is an A race. And she's using training time for her other training goals. Like, it does not look to me like she's, like, using races to train. A lot of the others are. Um, you know, Femme's the other one who doesn't look like that. But I think that's because she's just a, on a different level. Um, but I think, you know, Celine could probably use a break. I think Lucinda got a break due to injury that she wasn't expecting and now is building beautifully toward a world's form. Like she said it after um, the Herentals race today that like the trend, things are trending in the right direction and she's feeling good. Like, that's awesome. Shireen went to her, her road training camp and came back and was like unbeatable. Right. The one, the one thing I noticed about Peterson, and it I think it maybe it's just biased from watching her uh her her uh recon videos that she puts out. It just seems like she has fun. And she's just one of these racers that just seems like she has a ton of fun out there racing. It looks like a a track like today at Arenthal's, which was technical and you had like super fast descents. It's like, hey, I'm I'm a you know mountain bike world champ. I'm just going to send these and just look 
spectacular on that course and just just looked like those are the type of things that it's like this is fun it's fun to my, race my bike and that's that's nice to see and it's it's paying off for her and it's it's uh i i yeah i i am almost at the point zach you know i don't think i think she's staying exactly where she is i don't think she's going to be petitioning the uci anytime soon to bump up to elites but i think that we're kind of getting robbed of of a bit of a showdown for worlds this year with uh fem already making the jump well i mean the best i i mean i'm gonna go ahead and say it i mean if that holds suit the race to watch is going to be the u23 women's race right puck versus sheeran that's going to be a great race yeah and i that i wanted to make a point on that too because uh you know shireen i think has had a little bit of trouble starting and i think this played out definitely at dehem and lohenhout so at dehem uh i counted she was 14th after the off camper you know, and Puck was gone and she was chasing the whole race and doing her diesel thing. And I think you reached that moment where if Femme was there, they would have done the sit up and she would have caught back up. But there was no sit up because Puck was on her own. Um, and, you know, this was probably the most compelling of those four races because, again, to my theory, there were two of the three there. Um, but then the next day at Lowenhout, she was third after the whole shot. And, you know, and uh, Marie Schreiber had the really fast start and a couple other of the women. But, you know, she was able to then take that race over uh, really quickly. And so I, it was cool to me. But I think like that's a thing that she needs to really focus on. And I guess in the U23 women's race, it'll be a lot easier for her to do that. But, you know, in these elite races, when she's up against Puck and Femme, like getting that start is super important because being in 14th is no bueno when you know, you know how fast uh, those other two riders are going to go at the front. But uh, my other my other question about uh, Puck Petersa. So she's done 14 races so far this season, and she has a perfect OPP. Uh, so, Bill, I think you can appreciate this one especially. And um, is there a minimum qualifying number of races that one must do to score a perfect OPP? And what would that be? It has to be more than 10, right? Maybe somewhere between 10 and 15, I would say. So Wout last year did 10 races and he, you know, he had the uh, 90% Wout winning percentage. He did not have a perfect OPP. Would we say that Wout had the perfect OPP season last year, only doing 10 races and not doing worlds? I would say no. I would say asterisk, whatever. You didn't even do worlds, my guy, like 10 races. So I would say 15, maybe. I think 15. I think that's fair. That's fair. Or they're like, I mean, there's close to 40 in the season. Maybe not that many, yeah. but I mean, it's so many okay. races, so many races. So many yeah. races. Uh, yeah, I like that. 15. I think 15, 15 is good, is the good OPP line in the sand. Okay. Now, what if, what if, what if, so she'll end up with like, I think I counted, there's like maybe three more World Cups with like the Dutch World National. So like she'll have 18. What if she finishes fourth at U23 Worlds? Is that like an asteroid? Do we just discard that one? I mean, it's is it like skipping one of the X2O races and you get a five minute penalty? All right, fifteen. We'll 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 say that. We'll say it. We'll leave it at fifteen, right? Because didn't she do U23 Euros? She got to throw that one out. That one doesn't count. So she's only at thirteen. She's at thirteen. What do you think? What um, do you think about Puck uh, coming off of her nothing but World Cups? Um, schedule. It's kind of interesting. I mean, a lot was made of like uh, these young riders are only racing the World Cups, and isn't this great? And then she's uh, she threw in two two races during during a curse period. 
think she was think it was a start money thing, or do you think that uh, just just like it, it, now now is the time that she's ramping up towards worlds? Yeah, I think the start money is nothing to sneeze at. I'm sure she got some some of that. Um, but I think going back to your fun thing, it's fun. Like I think she is she's a racer. Like I, I love this 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 parallel of her being on the opposite team with the spirit of a young Vanderpool wild and out and having a good time. And Femme now being on Jumbo Visma with the spirit of a young Vout, like a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more serious, a little bit more straight power. I love it. I absolutely love it. Can't get enough of it. And now they're in matchy matchy kits to those guys. Um, but I, I mean, I think if, if I were Puck and looked at Dehim and said like, 20 years old like hell yeah that looks like a great time like can i win in front of this crowd like that sounds awesome like yes i'll go for it and it's also it's not like she went crazy it was like ahavra two days later dm and then what five days later was erintal so it's it's still not like she's doing these back-to-backs or anything like that but it was it was just interesting that she's kind of broken the you know poor poor alvarado had you know, didn't have her non-World Cup chances to to get wins. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think we noticed earlier in the year too. Shireen was the one who kind of broke that. Was the uh, the more the the everyday the everyday the everyday rider willing to to do some of those other races? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was good to see them. And uh, you know, I guess Bill, you talked about. Uh, on the previous show, kind of like the there was a door open because we didn't know where Femme would be. Were you guys at all surprised by how good she was? Because uh, I don't know. I was. I mean, she, like you said, she just kind of showed like uh, nothing happened. And she said afterwards that she wasn't even trying her hardest, which is terrifying. In a good Ooh, way. I did catch that. That was a that was a that was a little bit of a there was a little bit of shots fired, huh? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, not not trying and winning by two minutes. Yep. Yeah. On a new bike. Yeah, new bike. Not having new, problems uh, switching shifting systems. I was apparently, going to make the same joke. Poor, poor Wout's all concerned that he's not going to know how to shift his bike anymore. <laughs> not a problem for Fem. Nope. No, nah, she's just yeah. It's because she was just in the biggest gear the whole time. I do, I do want to, I know we're skipping all over the place, but you know, we talked about Pitcock for a while. Do we want to, do we want to, do we, do we want to overanalyze his, um, his whips? Whipgate? <laughs> I, so. <laughs> although, although just to do you know, sort in his, he made it very clear. He did not go for a whip. We're talking about his, his crash at, at, uh, uh, ball um that not preceded was right after him jumping over one of the 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 whoops he was contemplating what he made the biggest mistake in right cycling elizabeth you can you can appreciate this as a mountain biker you you commit to the move you either do it or you don't you don't second guess yourself so i'm inclined to believe exactly what he said is the truth um which is that he was going faster he thought about getting a little stylish, thought the better of it, 
but was still going too fast. And I think that there is probably quite a lip. I mean, like that, those look like mountain bike features. Those are not cyclocross course features. Those are mountain bike training features. He caught that lip. I think there's probably a good divot on that side that caught his wheel wrong and sent him five ways to Sunday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no bike handler in the world that could save what, what ended up happening to his bike. Well, it was, it was just bad luck. I mean, there was that yeah. rut that I think didn't Van Torn out end up in this, in the same one that if you got stuck in that rut, it was just shooting you off to the right. And there yeah. was really nothing you could do about it. And, and you could see it like he lands and his bike's just like, we're going over here now, buddy. Um, come along for the ride. Those things were, I mean, they were really gnarly. There was another one where it seems like they were kicking everyone to the the right. There was one, a couple before it where the, the, there was a swath of grass and leaves that were carved out on the right side. You're like, how are riders ending up over here? Um, you know, and I, you saw riders at that rut just getting sent, you know, I, they just, if you're the camera guy who's putting your way down there, um, you know, you're getting, but I, I thought it was good too, that they had another camera guy who kind of showed it from the other side that he was swiveled around and you could see like he hit a rut and he just got shot the, the other way. Um, yeah. And you saw but, you saw a couple of riders hit it slower and get shot pretty far off track too, but not to those, you know, extreme consequences of getting thrown off the course. So yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. I think that's a, that's a pretty significantly uh, high risk course feature. If you do what the course wants you to do, which is send it like that, it doesn't, it's not designed to be ridden slow, but it's also not designed to be ridden on a cross bike. And so like this combination of things means that you have to make this like very calculated decision to slow yourself the hell down, or it's going to send you in bad ways. And the, the, as you mentioned, I think the previous one is like the most whip friendly, like the, the, the penultimate whoops is the one that you send it off of and you know he did that and riders were doing it all race getting sunday but you're probably like oh man i'm gonna get big air and then you're like oh crap oh boy whoops this, yeah <laughs> this is uh we're rolling the dice here and we may get sent off the course yeah i i, I just yeah but i'll just go back to, i just think that no matter what he did you know just just the bad luck of of landing in that rut is what that what caused it i don't know i'm all for it's fun when riders can actually show some skill on there and we want to see it and it makes the races exciting. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's the, the risk for those guys is kind of minimal, especially if they do it all the time. It, it, look, when, when Vanderpool was racing every week and he was just like whipping off of everything, he couldn't help it. He used to like hop the planks and he would whip the planks going over them. It was just like, this is how I go over things. And it, it, so it was, yeah. So I, I don't know. So I think you're right, Zach. It was kind of like changing his mind may have, may have, uh, had an impact on that. Uh, the, the question though, that this leads into was his misfortune, the, the opening of the door for Ailey Ezerby to get his mojo back. Ooh. Yeah. So, Ezerbeet said in his post-race interview that he was thinking about quitting his whole season. 
like before this and was like, oh, I might give it all up, like all this. And now, you know, here comes the light and he's racing like a new man in the last half of a lap of a race because suddenly it seems possible again. I don't know. Like he did look like a completely different racer for those last like, what, two, three minutes. And then, and then today, Aaron Dahl's, he, you know, right back, best of the rest. Well, and he kept it in the anything can happen zone. Yes. <laughs> Ching. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess like uh, shifting gears too. I, I'm I'm skeptical uh, about Ailey from that. I mean, he still got dropped. Uh, he did get back in the race, so we'll we'll see. But I mean, I think one of the other big stories, just bouncing back to Herentals, was major shakeup on the women's X two O classification and i it still is i i i don't know why it hit home but like that they're like it's the bod commerce trophy could you imagine if we had like the uscx like the the you know bob's portage on uscx so they're bathroom (laughs) remodeling it's bathroom remodeling oh it is yeah okay Okay. i mean there is there is a portage on series out there there is toy toy cup exactly the, the Czech uh, series is is a is a Porta John company, uh, but I guess I was surprised that Lucinda Brand was still in the running. I just assumed she missed like three races in in this series and was out of it. So definitely an interesting day. Yeah, the, uh, today is we're recording the X, the Bad Cameras uh, series. Definitely, just the the scheduling of it, I think, really benefited favorably her kind of take having to take time off and they, there weren't any races during that time so yeah so she's uh amazing amazing to, you know and the thing is like it's kind of funny i was at Arendal's last year i believe she won that race and it was kind of the same deal no post up or anything because like sven was at the other end of the uh finishing stretch basically like you're sprinting as hard as you can like it's all about time and she won the race and was just like just crushing it down the down the finishing line to make sure she i I don't know if she was ahead or behind in the series at that point but it was like yeah it's all it's all about the clock yeah and i mean to see even selena's now just three seconds behind denise for third so even that race is tight and they're only 20, like 26, 29 seconds behind Lucinda. So that series is really, I think, up in the air at this point, which is a pretty exciting turnaround from like somebody having a three-minute lead. She had a three-minute lead. Batsma had a three-minute three minute, 19-second lead going into today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was like super unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, she had to like, it was like right after the pit and she had to run all the way up and then all the way down and then all the way up and all the way down. I'd have to go back and look at it, and then somebody else can get the times on this. I think that this it was the same thing last year. Looking at this, so Betsimo was second, came in second to Brand in the series last year. Uh, Brand won. Yeah, Brand won Arentals and beat Betsimo by forty nine seconds. And I think that's so. It was the exact same thing. It's like this is the this is this is kind of like the the race that haunts Denise Betsimo when it comes to the X two O series. 
Well, it's just like, but it's the weirdest series because it starts on Copenberg, which is the race that creates these huge time splits. And that's why it happens. And then they don't race for a really long period of time. Yeah. It's just really bizarre. Like, you know, it's like if you had played your most important conference games at the beginning of the season and then just sat on it, you know, that were worth way more and then just sat on it till way late in the season. But yeah, it's always been an interesting series that it's the one with the time gap. But there's this, um, but Herenthal's creates huge gaps. I mean, I, I don't know, like we've got Elizabeth, like, let's talk about this course again. I think three, three years ago when it started, we we're like, we hope this becomes a mainstay. I mean, this is a great course and kind of like in the vein of, of Namur almost. Yeah. It's an awesome course. I think it's like, it's in the vein of Namur, but more rideable, um, and less, it's more riding, less st- hurtling your body down uh an incline um like requires some more handling skill um and some more steering i guess rather than point and pray um and no i think it's great so it's i didn't realize until watching today that it's an old ski slope uh which makes perfect sense um but i think like it uses some really good mountain bike style terrain mixes it up with the road sections but it doesn't also doesn't feel as like sort of polarizing like i love namur don't get me wrong like i like really really this is one of the races that made me fall in love with cyclocross was spectating namur um but i think this course has a like shows off handling skills better um and it's it has some like a dynamic to it that is is it's really it's a cool race to watch i I really like it yeah i was thinking the same thing it just remind that shot like the descent where it was like swooping down i felt like i was watching a mountain bike race you know and i think that it's it's cool to have descents that matter i think we saw it at shoot i'm blanking was the was the one earlier this year where puck just rode away from femme uh, at Overice, yes. it kind of has like a descent where it's not just straight down, where technical skills matter. And this was definitely one of them, including that main one was just like a grip it and pray. I mean, the looks on riders' faces was like, yeah. <laughs> I was scared for them. <laughs> and, and this is another another just example of taking a feature and just sort of using, getting every every inch out of it to, to to use it and uh just just the venue you, I, I don't think you get a huge a, a great feel for it's this really weird kind of um sections to this thing so so you have like the the one section that is like the playground and then the stuff behind that that's kind of the more like almost flowy type stuff. And then you have the planks and then you go over the track, which is like on the other side of the road and you go over to the track and the track is the way that you get to the, the, the bunny slope. And it's, yeah, it's like just this straight up and then straight down. So you're, you're exactly right. So you get, you get like the different skills on how you can descend. And, and one is like, you just got to, you're absolutely like, just grip it and rip it. And you're going to go as fast as you can. And then you, get up to the you climb back up to the top again and then you go down the front side of it and that's where you have these really sweet switchbacks for the for the mountain bikey type thing and it's it's three really difficult 
turns that you have to nail. You know, I, I was, I have some photos from that second descent where I was shooting wide underneath the, uh, under, un, underneath the fencing and a couple times had to kind of like jump out of the way because people were sliding underneath the fencing off the course because they just, they get it wrong. And then you have that second one and then you have the third into the bottom and then you're right into the mud. You know, I mean, it's just like, so it's like super technical. That's that second descent is like, I think one of my favorite descents in cyclocross. It's just so well constructed and it's the type of thing that you can just, you can get gaps there if you ride it right. I think we just identified why Puck Petersa raced yeah. this race. Yeah. And it, uh, I mean, I, I would say, I was going to say it would, would have been interesting if Femme and Shireen were both racing, but maybe not. I think this is just the kind of course where her, I mean, she's so gifted. And like, it was, you know, I talk about, do you enjoy watching Vanderpool off the front? I was sure as hell watching her ride those descents because it was just like, she was putting on an absolute clinic. And I think it's like one of those moments where you're like, I really appreciate what this rider is doing right now. So I really enjoyed watching her take those corners. And I'm like, can we keep the camera on her? Like, this is incredible. Like, absolute masterclass. Agreed. Interestingly, you also had, uh, I was just looking at the junior. So Lorna Mallgraf has been out there racing. But then she gets to this this, you know, and hasn't really done anything as as well as she did today. So I was just wondering, too, like, are those skills there for her as well? I don't know if she spends time on the mountain bike or not. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but I think, like, she's been sort of consistently showing up. Like, she's getting camera time. Um, and she's young. So I think there's there's some there's a good future in her. And I think like I you know, another one that we sort of briefly mentioned but is uh in Marie Schreiber, who not in this race, but is kind of also f- cut from the very maybe the Sheeran Van Andre cloth a little bit more of someone who's going to be at the is sort of at the precipice of, of breaking through and having some big results, I think. Women's junior Dutch national XCO champion. There you go. Do you know who the women's U23 mountain bike XCO champion is? Dutch national champion? Since you're saying it, I'm just going to guess that somehow Femme beat Puck. You are yeah. absolutely right. I, I just assumed because we would all otherwise assume that Peterson won it. Uh yeah, I mean, I think that like, I mean, that just shows like how far Feminempel has come, like as a biker. Like she's, yeah, I mean. So, just to get a little off track here, since I'm on this page, Anne Terpstra, not a surprise, is your Dutch national champion. Uh, Lade Kopsman, Kopmans in second. Who got the bronze? It wasn't Tauber. Think cyclocross. I mean, Tauber did race cyclocross today. Yeah, yeah. Alvarado? Betsema. Oh, yeah, that's back, right. Back to her roots. No men. Uh, David Haverdings, uh, men's junior silver medalist. I'm glad that you brought up Haverdings. I, I, this, is, this is the weirdest show ever. This is the most like <laughs> yes. all-over-the-place show that we've ever done. Let's talk statements! I... I I mean, Bill, I, you had the perfect you had the perfect statement about that, though. I, do we have creepment, creeping statement 
ism going on in in cyclocross has Bodie started a movement <laughs> so what was the headline it was like he got 10th place and it was there was i don't even know what publication it was like Haverding's making making statements in cyclocross or something like that with his with with a 10th place finish and i immediately was like screenshot i was like Bleh! you know like <laughs> couldn't couldn't send that to the chat fast enough but yeah it was like some random publication from europe or whatever so um i don't know i i i you know i'm kind of bummed that you know sonic was back like she had a really nice race um you know she did her thing she wasn't leading a pony camp she was actually leading i mean i i thought for a second there when she was with worst and you know brand was it no she wasn't with them but oh no no it was worst brand and alvarado i'm like am i watching like the 2020 like world championships i mean <laughs> racing for second to a child um yeah i mean she raced really well so i'm kind of bummed that Bodie isn't here so hopefully she'll continue to do well so we can get some uh Bodie commentary on sonicott because that's just been his beat for for so many years here yeah and you mentioned at the beginning that it, she is that she is from or close to from Aaron Tall's lives right around there and uh i don't know i, I mean looked like genuinely moved coming over the, the the finish line in fifth place just getting the reception that she uh she got which um did she is this is she is this her final year has she said that or is she doing one more or hasn't said anything she hasn't said anything that i know okay all right it just it i don't know you know you don't want to sit there and like make up things or put things in her mind but it just looked like i don't know It, it just looked like she was almost emotional getting that fifth place and just having everybody going absolutely crazy for her which is you know she's usually someone who keeps all her feelings pretty close to her chest. So that was uh, actually kind of cool to see. Yeah. I, lo- I mean, she's 33. So, um, I mean, getting close to that, that time potentially. I mean, hopefully, I don't know. I, I like when they do, I like when they do like a retirement tour, you know, instead of just like just announcing it. I know uh, I'm wearing my Badger hat. JJ Watt just announced that he's retiring, but he just kind of did it. He's like, Hey, I'm, yeah, this is my last game or like, you know, two weeks from now I'm done. Uh, I'm out. I kind of like the the idea of doing, um, you know, a retirement tour. And actually, I think to me, one of the biggest bummers about, you know, Katie Compton and she had talked about wanting to do that. And I think we all got deprived of that because of choices that were made. And it's just kind of like that kind of thing would have been really cool. It gives everyone a chance to see you again. It gives, you know, a chance to just like, you know, have it have it be a thing to honor you week after week for this this amazing career. So hopefully when she does do it, that she'll, you know, make it a thing. And that at all these races across Belgium, that she's probably won literally every single one of them, probably multiple times that, you know, except for except for Namur, not Namur. <laughs> I think I don't know if she's ever finished like top 10 at Namur. I think I looked at it once like that. That one is her definitely has been her white whale. Um, but yeah, I, you know, when when a rider like that does hang it up, I hope that, you know, she does get everyone a chance to see her again and honor her for her you know the incredible career she's had one thing i do want to mention because we did a poor job uh noting uh strong results from north american up-and-coming riders on the last show north american dominance at ball in the junior women's race with uh isabella holmgren Getting the getting the win over sister Ava Holmgren, and then third place, Vita uh, Lopez de San Roman, and then Kaya Musgrave in fourth place. Four four North Americans in the in the top five for that race. Pretty pretty amazing. 
Magley Rochette having a couple of good results too after basically not having a season. So it's nice to see her finishing in a couple top tens. Yeah, and then I mean, even Clara, Clara's Clara's not having a bad season. You know, she's yeah. right around that, always, always in the top ten. I mean, she Dehim definitely uh, not her race. Finished in that slow ride spot in sixteenth. Other than that, it's like sixth, sixth, eighth. You know. Seventh, ninth, so right, right in those top ten spots. I don't know. She was getting on podiums last year, right? So maybe expecting more from her. But I, I think that it's also it's it's just the we're seeing the same from she's at the, she's kind of riding around the same people she was riding when she around when she was getting those podiums. I just think that once again we're talking about this this youth movement in the elite field that's uh, making it tough for anybody over twenty. One, yeah, Maddie Monroe also having a pretty great European campaign. So, speaking of people who aren't yet twenty one, are twenty one? Yeah, all right, something like that. Zach, yeah, that was all over the place. But anything else we have to talk about before we uh, get out of here? I mean, I was just going to make my usual point that there's just this crazy amount of young talent, like the junior men are doing great. And I really hope again that someone that we find a way to keep these athletes in some capacity in cyclocross, because I think, especially on the women's side, there's just so much talent. And I mean, I mean, we may be looking at the first Canadian world championship. I mean, I think there's a very real chance that one of the homegrowns is going to win worlds this year. And I, that would just be amazing. But yeah, keep them in cross. I don't, I don't know. Someone donate money to just keep good athletes well, and, racing cycle. And I think that this has been a really strong showing just for North Americans going going to Europe. I mean, this is this is. I mean, this is the most people I think that have been there in quite some time. Mud Fund has a huge contingent that's racing. Jeff Proctor's European Cyclocross Academy. They're, this is their second trip of the year. He has a whole crew there. Nice Bikes has a big crowd over there. Uh, 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 Steve Tilford's over there. I mean, it's just um, you know Caleb's over there. Just just a really. Jay Money's over there. I mean, just just tons of people that have have made the trip uh, to to Europe for this 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 time period, which is which is great, and I think that that is um, a shifting trend from what we've seen. And I know we had the COVID years, and it was really tough. But even before that, it seemed like those those trips were getting smaller. And now I think there's more of an emphasis to to get back and and race in Europe. Dare we say December nationals are a good idea if you want people in Europe in January. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, even even better would be having nationals in Europe for the elites. Yep. Are you going to publish that? Are you going to are you going to hit us? I think that's an annual tradition. Are you going to hit us with three things that we're going to hate? I don't know. I I, I you know, it's like I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I just, I for me, I feel like since I'm going to Worlds, you know, the last time that we went to Europe uh, together to Worlds was in Denmark. And I just remember it was right after you published that and you picked me up and you were like, whoa, boy, did I piss some people <laughs> off. Like, that was a great conversation about how pissed off people were. So um, I don't know. I just, if, if to me, it feels like it would just be like coming home to have a thing when I when I run into you in, in Hoogerheide. <laughs> Well, may, may, yeah, maybe maybe we should do that. So you know, when we see each other in uh, in in Hogerheide, that it'll it'll be something to talk about there. 
All right. Uh, Elizabeth, anything else to, to throw in here before we close down for the evening? I just, you know, I'm glad that things are going to slow down a little bit just for my own sanity. But, man, it's been a fun couple of weeks. And we've got some great races in the next few days. Pretty exciting stretch to Worlds. Much like the chaos of the races, I think that was kind of the the format of the of this podcast. But it was good to good to chat with y'all and just kind of get it all out there. And um, right, uh, thanks thanks for joining us, Elizabeth, Zach. I'm glad you're uh, feeling a little better. And uh, Bodie, I hope you're um, you know enjoying your uh, your beach drinks and uh, taking in all that sun. And we'll see y'all back here next week. There's an elegance to bike racing. For all its technology and engineering, it's a simple question of physics. How do you move a body through space as quickly and efficiently as possible? When the rider and the machine work as one, it's almost as if the solid world has melted away and all that remains is the spirit, the pure, raw, and unfiltered soul of sport. Life is measured in many units, miles, kilometers, kilos, and pounds. But we measure it one corner at a time. We've entered the golden age of crit racing, the most exciting spectator event in sport, where all of human drama plays out before us on our city streets. On this show, we bring you the news of the day and take you inside the personalities of the teams and riders and right up to the gates of the premier events in the world. Welcome to Criterium Nation. Criterium Nation.